Welcome back to another episode of Dirtcast. I am your co-host, Megan Reynolds. And I am also a co-host, Madeline Davies. Yay! And later in the show, we will be joined by Caroline Heldman from the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media. She'll be talking to us about how best to handle and report on sexual assault and harassment in film sets and what resources should be available for women who find themselves the victims of such acts. And men will. And men. Everyone, really. The question is always, you know, what is the personal toll of this? Because there is always a personal price to pay. How you doing, Maddie? I'm doing okay. We had a we had a little uh, hiatus last week. We did. We did. Um, you know, we all got flu shots. We did. We, uh, we were feeling a little... <laughs> Under the weather. Burned out. Yep. But now I'm reinvigorated. I'm fresh, fresh as a daisy. I went to beautiful Indianapolis this weekend. Oh my God, tell me all about it. Mm. That's all there is to okay, tell. Okay, great. I mean, I went to I went to a wedding that was lovely. <laughs> oh my god, fabulous! But I I have nothing else to say about the city of okay. Indianapolis. I but saw if you're li- there and you're listening, I bet there's really nice parts. Of it. <laughs> um, the only thing I know about Indianapolis is that there is this show that I watch on HGTV called Good Bones. I'm Mina, and this is my mom Karen, and we're renovating Indianapolis one house at a time. <laughs> it's a mother and daughter <laughs> duo, and they renovate they only concentrate on like two neighborhoods in indianapolis one is called fountain square Mm. the other is called bates hendrix bates hendrix from what i can tell is the less desirable but still good um and they renovate old homes i I mean that sounds very nice it's actually a really lovely show they have a nice rapport do you want to drive no no i don't want to drive i just want to tell you how to drive i thoroughly enjoy them but that's all i know about indianapolis it seems cheap yeah i'll (laughs) I know is like basically from Parks and Recreation, which isn't even ah, set there. It's set in a fake town. Right. But they go to Indianapolis they a do. couple times. They do. But while I was just living enough at a wedding, mm. you were watching people sweat it out at a marathon. Oh my God. My <laughs> one of my sisters ran and completed the uh, New York City Marathon That's on wild. Sunday. Um, I agree. She was basically dead. At the end, but she beat Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart and Carly Kloss were two of the celebrities that were also running the marathon. Did she beat Carly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. She finished in like three hours, 57 minutes, and like something, something seconds. I don't remember. That's amazing. I know. She's very fast. Um, she found us. Uh, yeah, she took I a saw picture it. It was with very us. cute. She then later told us that she ran way too fast in the beginning of the race. Because after she left Brooklyn, which is around like the 11 mile mark, and then had to go back through the city in Queens and whatever, she said she wanted to die. I, <laughs> it's one of those things that I'm very inspired by marathoners mm-hmm. to never run a marathon. Sure, definitely. Um, where it doesn't seem like it's, it's good for you. No. Like your no. body like doesn't want to do that. Your body doesn't want to run 26 fucking miles. Well, have you heard there's people who do those insane like 100 mile ones that's like, I don't, I don't understand. But basically, it's like if you don't complete it in a day, uh-huh. you're just done. Like you can't like finish it. Because your body is physically like good night. Well, yeah, I think it also like the race organizers say, you know, like, like if you're still running, mm-hmm. we are cutting you off. Right. That um, seems fair. Which just like leaves people devastated because they're like almost at the finish line. Oh, and, God. But it's just also, I don't want to do anything that makes me shit myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything where I like possibly will like soil myself in any way, shape or form and then still have to like complete it. I mean, and that being said, 
crazy respect to these runners who are I agree. also crazy. I agree. I mean, the first thing she said to us, we found her like we were supposed to meet at a Maison Kaiser on the Upper West Side. Mm. <laughs> but she didn't make it there. We found her huddled in like a branded poncho. They gave them all ponchos because it was raining. Yeah. It's a very nice poncho, actually. It's fleece lined, um, just like standing like shell shocked. On the side of the street, we were like, oh, my God. She's like, I'm never doing that again. Like, yeah. ever. Well, I suppose, ever. like, your muscles must just seize up and... I don't know. She went to work the day after. We wow. all told her to take a day off. And I, but I was like, or just wear your medal to work and be like, hmm. I think I just would use it as an excuse to never move again. Yeah. And just be like, can you guys just get me, like, a rascal? <laughs> I need a jazzy. <laughs> I need a and jazzy. If people give me shit about it, I'd be like, I ran 26 Point something miles. In one day. Yeah. In under four to five hours or however long. I don't know. I think, I mean, I cried. I always cry at marathons. It's like the one thing that makes me cry. I I get it. It's I just, do. I don't know. It's just like, boo. I mean, it is the endurance of the human spirit. It's true. It's very nice. So, yeah, that's what I, while Maddie was at a wedding, I watched my, one of my sisters run a lot. Just a lot of running. Well, I am proud of the whole Reynolds family. Thank you. I will I will let them know. As <laughs> dedicated do. listeners of this, they all like hate that they like, don't listen to this. <laughs> like, why do we want to hear you talk? We hear that all the time. Yeah. That's a good point, guys. Thanks. I um <laughs> whenever anybody says, Oh, I don't listen to it, I'm like, it's fine. No, it's okay. You listen you you listen to me talk generally. Unfortunately, yeah. So no need. No need. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh boy! So yeah, we as you can see, listeners, we're uh, we're back. We're back, baby. We're feeling great. Meg, let's get into the dirtiest dirt. Oh of the my week. god, I would love to. A lot of dirt. Some like dirtier in a gross way, mm-hmm. and some just, just kind like of fun, dirty, clean, good, clean, fun dirt. Let's start with. This first item, which I personally enjoy, there is a mini—I don't even know if it's a feud yet. 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 Let's stoke the flames. I think there's time still, but—so MTV has reinvigorated their Jersey Shore. Like, we don't even call—they're like Shore. Shore franchise. Their Shore franchise, which, to be clear, has been— Besides Jersey Shore, there have been many other iterations of it, but they're bringing back this franchise with a show called Floribama Shore, which premieres November 27th. Panama City Beach, right? Panama City Beach, Florida. The Redneck Riviera. The Redneck Riviera um, on the beautiful Gulf Coast of Florida. I'm very excited to watch it. Um, it features a bunch of, you know, very shiny and tan. And horny. Horny. Youths. And Not literal youths. They're all no, 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 they're legal of age. adults. They're of age. As long as they can drink. I think they, that's like the MTV rule. I think rules. so, too. <laughs> yeah. I just want to have one night stands. You think I'm scared of you? It's about to go down. So they um, are all going to do what the Jersey Shore people did, which was live in a house. I assume, I'd like to assume that they're going to have some sort of job. Oh, yeah. A t-shirt printing. A t-shirt printing enterprise. They also worked at a gelateria, right? That was the other one. (laughs) 
Yeah, and they went to Italy in the first one, which was so good. They worked at a pizza parlor in Italy. Um, But so this is coming back. Some people are very excited. I, for one, am very excited for this. Well, did you see the phone is an alligator phone? It's an alligator? Yeah, there's the duck phone. Right. Which is infamous from Jersey Shore. And then this phone is an alligator. I love love that. That's a nice touch. Um, But... Geordie Shore, which is the British version, uh-huh. is insane. I've not seen it. There's like a Welsh one, and then there's the Geordie one. Mm. In one of the two, one woman puts an ice cube in another woman's vagina <laughs> while the girl is like dancing <laughs> on a God. table. What? She just like, boop, just like slips it up there? Yeah, and the way she's talking, she's like, I just saw her dancing on the table. And so I just put it right up in a, I don't know. That, that was I'm good. Sorry. No, that was, no, that was good. I was, I was in. I was, I was, you yeah. reeled me in. Wait, she puts an ice cube in her vag. And a fanny. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And then the girl, I think it's just like, whatever. Oh, just kind of keeps dancing. dancing. Must be refreshing. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So the news of this has, you know, been riveted members of the fans of the of the franchise. But the original Jersey Shore cast is not happy that they weren't consulted. <laughs> they weren't consulted about this news. So, like, what are their, like, what are their actual stakes Agreed. In Jersey Shore. Zero? Yeah. Zip. Zilch. Nothing. Which is too bad because it was their personalities that built it. It's true. It's true. But Mike, the situation, Sorrentino, led the charge on Twitter saying, like, you know, MTV, why don't you consult us? Like, the old Jersey Shore, like, get, let, let's get the old cast back together to do yeah. a reboot. And did you watch the reunion that they did on E? I didn't. It was extremely oh, depressing. No filter. Do you remember you drank so much your penis was out you didn't even know it? Oh, I mean... How many women do you think you slept with? It's just a lot. It was a lot. Over you know a I mean? thousand, you think? Right, well, situation is, what, 50? Yeah, he's like, he's 75. 1,000 years old. He's like, he's a Methuselah. He's a bajillion <laughs> years old. Everyone else seems to have been like, like Jenny, like Jaywa has a blog. Yeah. Misdomesticated. <laughs> well, uh, and both her and Snooki have kids and are yeah. doing their, I and mean, they they're, they're on to their show. next chapter. Yeah. And they also had a spinoff show, Jay Wow and Snooki, I think. Yeah. Um, they Ronnie, did. It was like them driving around. Yeah. Ronnie was on, he was on a couple's show, right? On VH1 with Malika. Okay. So he, yeah. So, he so is he's like, like still riding that, uh, that reality TV yeah. wave. Vinny wasn't present for the. Uh, Vinny was oh, not really? present He's for the. He's pursuing comedy in New York City. Oh my god! Oh my I've god. actually only heard like the nicest things. about He seems Vinny. like an angel. He was always my favorite. Yeah. And Pauly D is still like the color of terracotta. Yeah. And is but also does not seem to really want to return to his youth in this in this way. Yeah. Um. So it's really just the sitch, which makes sense. Yeah. But he's the one who I think declared bankruptcy recently or yeah. he's he's fallen on hard financial yeah. times yeah and then there's also like a, a rehab situation for him he's sober now he made a bit, really big deal about that huh, good for on him. the uh reunion show but watching the reunion show made me realize like yes everyone has moved on but the situation does yeah. not want to let the new kids come in well it's sort of how on the challenge the mtv's the challenge oh right there's always those few people from the early seasons oh of the real world of road rules. And it's just, oh, they're Jesus. just so old. And I don't, I mean, I don't mean old, old. I just right. mean they're too old for what they're doing. Right. They're too old for being around these psycho kids. Like screaming 21-year-olds. And especially too old to be acting as psycho where it's just. Ah, yes. 
I don't know. Is Montana on any of those? I think she was on one, but in like an appropriate uh, a capacity. Capacity. Wonderful. Great. I um, always liked her. Yeah. That's all. I, that was like the one person and Amaya. Those were the two that I could Amaya. <laughs> that was a good that was a good season though Hawaii um, that was a great season I think that season. was probably the last the last really good one Tech Money was yes, good yes Hawaii was the last good one I um, agree and then Colin was the girl was the guy who Maya was uh, Colin was hot he was hot and also he like became a, a writer and he's a decent writer really yeah what oh my I will research that off, yeah off mic um so yeah Jersey Shore and Florida Shore ideally there will be a light beef in the future. Sure. I'm sure these youngins will throw out some barbs. I can't wait. Next item is a uh, a couple that I personally was rooting for. Yeah, has gotten back together. Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez are back at it. Back at it. She said goodbye the weekend. She did. <laughs> goodbye Abel. Goodbye Abel. Didn't look like she was really happy with Abel. And I'm sure that he will write some very pervy songs about her mm. in the future. Think your girl, think your girl fell in love with me. She say my fuck and my tongue game a remedy. God, that's right. Uh. Um. But as per TMZ, they are back together after Justin began courting Selena a few months back when she had her kidney transplant. Oh. Just like kind of a night. Maybe he realized like life is short. Well, I think also they are both deep into Hillsong. Yes. The church. So I think that probably has a huge something to do with it where they have that in common. Right. For better or for worse. Exactly. And I think um, I like them together. I feel like she maybe grounds him a little. I don't think that she's grounded. Okay. I think she has her troubles. Okay. I don't know. I am remembering now that video of her dancing on a table at a restaurant. Which we've all done. We've all, I mean, listen, I did that that yesterday. Um, No. (laughs) Megan's always just dancing on tables. I am. I mean, I'll do that after we're done with this. Um, I I think that she prior to her kidney transplant oh, partied pretty hard. I see. At least that's sort of what um, Demi Lovato was kind of alluded to oh, when okay. she's talked about the dissolution of their friendship. Sure, sure. I got the feeling, and this is really just me projecting, mm-hmm. that because Demi Lovato is sober, she couldn't hang out with Selena Gomez Oh, anymore. I understand what you're saying now. But, I mean, I imagine... I think, like, she went to rehab for a while, and she, you know, then the kidney thing. And so I'm sure she's taking care of herself. Hopefully. And I mean, hopefully Bieber will be good for her. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, that's a, <laughs> I wasn't really sure. As it left my mouth, I was sort of unsure about what I was saying. I, yeah. Do you follow him on Instagram? Yes. His Insta it's stories wonderful. recently have been insane. He's, he's, something is wrong. <laughs> he's playing all these characters. I, and I don't know. People aren't kind enough, man. <laughs> Be kinder, bro. I was a chicken in my past life. <laughs> something is wrong. He just, I, like, he is the Andy Samberg character in Popstar. He is. Wait, you guys know I have a dick, right? Yes. <gasps> 
Yeah. You do. It just, you it, it you just, do. Just, I've yeah. always believed you had a dick. Right, right, right. But like, where was it though? Because that motherfucker was gone. We've gone over this. I, you know I gotta tuck my shit back so it doesn't get tangled yeah. up in the garments. That makes perfect sense. Yes. Go and put it in between the legs. I think that's why that movie didn't do as well as it should have. Mm. Is because the reality is so much more insane than yeah. even the parody. I mean, that's what happens when Scooter Brown discovers Ron. you. Ron, I'm sorry. Sorry, Scoots. That's um, what happens when Scoots discovers you on fucking YouTube when you're like 12. Yeah, steals your childhood away. Steals your childhood away. Your Canadian childhood. <laughs> Hockey and maple syrup and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure that that's what Jeremy had planned for Justin all along. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot about his dad. His dad's so gross. Yeah, his dad threw a puppy off a balcony. Oh my God. And made some gross joke about his son's, about Justin's penis. Oh, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's my boy. That was <laughs> oh, my God. Gross. Um, so congrats to them, and I'm really pulling for you. You know what? Just whatever. You crazy kids. Live your life, guys. Yeah. It's just, okay. Justin, put out another album as good as your last one, Please. and I will continue to tolerate mm-hmm. you. And Selena, just uh, take care of yourself. Just be good. That's advice from the aunts that you didn't want. Yeah, she's like, oh. She's like, fuck, shut like, up. These two alcoholics are <laughs> telling me anything. The next item is fun, I think. I think it's pure fun. It is pure fun. Do you want to do it? Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Chabin, mm. best friend to Kim Kardashian. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Bob Bob haircut model. Yeah, a little Prince Valiant. Yeah. He, it's like a little, a little page boy Prince Valiant <laughs> situation. Um, he wants to legally change his name to Food God, <laughs> according to page six. Um, he tells them, everyone calls me food god. Scream it in the streets and run up to me in restaurants, and I want people calling me food god when they write about me, not Jonathan or BFF. Mm. It's like, you are always going to be Kim Kardashian's BFF. Forever. There's no, nothing else remarkable about you. Nothing, changing your name legally to food god is not going to make anyone be like, oh, I'm sorry, oh no, sorry, oh, it's food god. Not Kim Kardashian, like, get out of here. And that's a self- perpetuated nickname because mm-hmm. he claims to have more sophisticated taste buds than anybody else in the world. Right. Where he says that the way he tastes a strawberry, the rest of us cannot imagine. Look at this. Guys ever have wild strawberries? There's nothing better than this late night. And we're going to have it with water filled with gold. Is that sick? Gold water. It's amazing. He is an incredible... One of my sisters calls him Lady Cheban. I love it. Which I really enjoy. He's um, an incredible incredible man. I would love if he legally changed his name to Food God, but I really think, I just think it's funny that he is, he's, I mean, he's going to be stuck as BFF. Yeah. Just forever. Just forever. Nothing. Be you cannot change this narrative. Kim this Kardashian's BFF food god shape. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's like, he won't, and he can't do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, and don't get us wrong. He should definitely change Please, it. Please. I'll pay for it. No, I won't pay for it. 
I mean, we can start a, a GoFundMe. I'll start a GoFundMe for this. It's not like I'm sure he has the money, but I feel like the fan support yeah. would be nice. So I'll help. So he should change it. Please. Um, by all means. But it's going to be very stupid. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be <laughs> like, because it's going to be on like his ID. It's going to be on his, his social security card. <laughs> we'll ostensibly read Food God Chibin. He also spells it all lowercase, which is very. Oh, with a. um. Fuck, what is that line? He, there's a line over the second, oh, the like O an in God. It's not an umlaut. It's the one oh, right. that's a the, line, the, but I don't know what that the is. The other umlaut. Yeah, the other umlaut. The liney umlaut. He spells it like in a very stylized fashion such that you can tell he has a very clear eye for like branding, for like how that is going to look on like a hat, a G-string, a, a bib for your baby, a fucking whatevs, all of the things. It's good. I just Jonathan, please. Food what? God, like, apologies, please. So I have have something to add about Food God. Some input from our producer Levi, who will now insert his voice and opinion into our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so I looked it up, and this is from classroom.synonym.com. Okay. And it says the line over a letter in the dictionary is called a macron. Oh. And then it says, the macron over the letter tells you that the letter A is pronounced like the beginning sound in ape. Okay. Or the medial E in meat. Okay. So. So what happens if it's an over an O? I'm assuming it's like food god. Food god. <laughs> food, food god? It I don't makes know. it more um, like stentorian and like, oh my god. <laughs> He's so fucking stupid. What a precious monster. What a precious our culture has monster angel. So yeah, that was th- that was the last of the fun ones. Yeah, so that was monster angels. <laughs> monster angels. <laughs> and now we just move into regular monsters. monsters regular terrible monsters. Um you know, the Weinstein stuff has really unleashed a floodgate of, of opened a floodgate. Yeah, more terrible men to report on. Mm-hmm. Just just everywhere. Not stopping anytime soon. Nope, nope. The two, three most recent, Ed Westwick, uh, Chuck Bass. Yeah, of Gossip Girl. Of Gossip Girl, was accused in a Facebook post by an actress named Christina Cohen of allegedly raping her th- about three years ago in his apartment. She was dating a producer that was friends with him. They were at his house. Um, Ed apparently suggested that they all have sex, and she was like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, no, thanks. No, thanks. And I then think she, she said no very— She said, yeah, she, she was not— her, Yeah, yeah, uh, to her Facebook claim, thing. She yeah. was not very—she was not evasive. She said, no, I do not want to have a threesome with you and this producer. And then she fell asleep. And then I believe she woke up, and then Ed sort of allegedly held her down. And then yeah, she she says she woke up to him holding like, her. To, right. Yeah. Um. So that is that's that's the freshest one. Ugh. I mean, I get it's one of those things where it bothers me in that he basically played a glorified rapist on mm-hmm. a teen show for many years. Yeah. Where, you know that character uh, attempts to rape at least two other characters, Jenny and Serena, I believe. Um, and it's like, of course he thinks he can get away with that shit because Chuck Bass, I mean, he probably would anyway, but Chuck right. Bass is like a lovable rascal. He's like a playboy. Like, yeah, like I wear scarves. I used to see him around Williamsburg all really? the time um, oh. at comedy shows, which is what? very weird. What? Um, and one Whoa. time we were at 
a bar that I'm sure you're you know of called Zablonski's. Uh, one of my favorites, actually. Um, and I was with a group of friends, and he came in, and he approached our table, and one of our friends, uh-huh. um, and asked her outside to smoke a cigarette. Okay, and. Her boyfriend had his arm around her when he asked her this. Yeah. Like, this was like... Oh, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, dear. He, like, walked up to her. Not that it's just like, this is my girl. Right, not like, it's like a property thing. But but I just mean, like, like, it just shows that he just doesn't have boundaries, where it's like... He just just thinks that his, like, fame is negligible, arguable fame, like, insulates him from whatever. Yeah. Well, and the best part is that my friend's response, she had no idea who he was. Oh, fabulous. Uh, is he, like, came up, and I think he just, like, kind of, like, gestured, like, let's go smoke a cigarette. And she went, eh, I'm good. <laughs> Which I always really liked. Did he, he left, he le- did he leave you guys alone after that? Yeah, he did. Okay, good. Um, but, it yeah. Great. Um, it's a really horrible story. I mean, mm-hmm. and even if she had just been elusive about saying no, it seems yeah. like it was something she was uncomfortable with. Right. And she got pushed into doing against her will Mm -hmm. and it's just um this is what i was saying to someone at work the other day where i wish there was a less buzzy word for triggering oh yeah or one that implies like less like jolt like because i get what you're saying yeah because i feel like these past couple weeks have been really hard for most of the women I know and some of the men I know Mm -hmm. because it is bringing up really weird memories of like things that maybe you would rather forget or you don't really want to be associated with. Or that you've already dealt with and like don't need to think about again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I just, I feel like a lot like this Westwick story, this doesn't, I mean, even if it did, that'd be fine by Mm -hmm. me. Like this doesn't resemble anything from my past, but it's just, just like knowing that type. Like, understanding that kind of interaction and that type of person would do it. Where it's just, I think it's really emotionally taxing. It is. I mean, and I think that's kind of part of the reason why, like, we didn't have our shit together last week. Because it was just, it's exhausting to, like, keep hearing this news and process it. Right. Intellectually and emotionally and... And then maybe write about it and then, like, continue to live your life. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, like, a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. Um, And it is never-ending. Which it isn't ever ending because no. uh, so like Dustin Hoffman, mm. a story was written about how he um, oh sexually harassed God. this intern oh on the God. set of Death of a Salesman in 1985. Um, and she wrote a really detailed report of it for The Hollywood Reporter. And it was just like he was verbally uh, sexually harassing her and then he would make her massage his feet and just uh, was all very gross. And it's weird to me because... Hoffman has kind of been touted as being like a feminist hero in certain mm. respects just because of <clears throat> Tootsie, I guess. And he, right. once, he once gave some dumb interview where he was like, Tootsie made me finally understand. Like what it's like to be a woman. Yeah. Mm. Um, Did it. And it always really bugged me because this, and this is like sort of an aside, but when I was a senior in high school, I lived in Italy and my host family only had like a select few DVDs and one was The Graduate. <laughs> And so that was, like, a way to—I tr- could translate movies into English on oh, DVDs. got it. And so I have watched that movie several times, and I've watched the special features nice. many times. Nice. Um, and so it, I always felt very rankled by the mm-hmm. idea of him being sort of an advocate <clears throat> because he very proudly tells a story of uh, groping his co-star, Catherine Ross, mm. during their very first screen test. And just sort of how awkward she made things by being mad. 
and just how she later apologized for, for like for like reaming him out, being unreceptive to his groping. Yeah, and so we posted a cl- yep. that clip. Uh, I somehow found it. I was very I, yes, you did a great um, job. <laughs> I remember at one point I pinched very gently Catherine's probably her right buttocks uh, when no, and, you know as a way to help loosen us up. You know, I kind of patted her and gave her a little. And she turned on me. And she, we later became friends, but at that moment she just whirled on me and said, don't you ever do that to me again. And suddenly everybody kind of heard it, and the crew and whatever, and I just sat there and they didn't know what was going on. She said, how dare you? I said, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I said, I was just trying to you know, get us relaxed. Sorry. And that... And then it, if it was bad up to then, it was going to get worse after that. She later apologized. She said it was her own tension, too. So we start again. And then uh, Slate found an old oh, Time right. magazine clip where Meryl Streep talks about the first time she met him. He just grabbed her boob. Mm. And I don't know. I think in his apology where he was like, my actions do not reflect my character. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they do. Yeah. Also, like, what does then? Right. Yeah, I'm just, like, so mad. I'm so tired of being mad. <laughs> yeah, being mad, it's being this level of angry is exhausting. Yeah. And then there's also uh, Kevin Spacey. I mean, he's also someone who's there's been rumors Whispers about. Whispers and rumors. Years. Right. But it was last, I want to say it was last Sunday, Anthony Rapp, who... I know best as being Mark, the original Mark from Rent, yes, and and many other things, but not just that. He has been uh, Anthony Rapp has been a, an actor for a while, like since he was a teen, and he told BuzzFeed that Kevin Spacey had been physically inappropriate with him when he was fourteen, and Kevin Spacey was twenty six. They were in uh, two different Broadway shows that were running at the same okay, time. Okay, got it. Thank you. It, I mean, it was a horrible story. That opened a of, of a spacey floodgate. Yeah. That I believe is still still trickling out. The Vulture published an anonymous interview with someone else who said that they had had a relationship with Spacey when he was like uh, the It was around the same time. It was around the same time because the person who gave the interview to Vulture was roughly the same age, I mm-hmm. think. Like 14. So Spacey, all of this has come out. He's been dropped from like his agent and his publicist, House of Cards. He's been he's gonna be written out of the final season of House of Cards. Maybe right. Maybe. That's, that's not for that's sure. not confirmed. They've sorry. Uh, they've paused production on the final season. Yeah, yeah, because their produ- their season six is being shot right now. So they've paused production on that. He's not. They're gonna figure out what to do about him. But I don't think he's gonna be in it. Well, also, all of this is coming out that he has been sexually harassing basically PAs on the oh, set that's of House right. of Cards oh, for all this about time. That. Yep, mm-hmm. and showrunners knew about mm-hmm. it. Uh, the president of WGA East, who uh, we are, we're a part of the WGA East. We are. He uh, was accused in BuzzFeed with pretty damning proof oh, that right. he was aware of all of this, even though he claimed not to be. And that all is coming out now. Yeah. Cool. <sighs> Fuck these fucking guys. So, ugh. So, yeah, Kevin Spacey's career is probably over. One will hope and assume. 
I don't have any assumptions. Yeah, I don't that's have a lot true. of faith. That's in this true. System. That's a good point. I think that every couple years, I mean, I think this is like a major reckoning. Yeah. But it does seem like every couple years this type of thing happens. Mm-hmm. And then they do their They're like two year redemption tour. song mm-hmm. where they, you know, <clears throat> basically go and just like live a nice, relaxing life for two years and then get to come back. Like, and Mel everyone, yeah. And everyone says they've done their time. Yeah. I think, you know, like Weinstein is over, but I don't. Right. Well, he's I don't about, know. He could potentially be arrested yeah. soon. Yeah. So that would be, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. But it's like depressing that you need multiple women to accuse you of rape. Right. For your career to end. Right. I mean, it's like with Weinstein and Toback, like it feels like those are the only two that I feel pretty sure are just. I mean, 193 women, I believe, came out against Toback. It's in the 200s. It's in the 200s now? Yes. It's ridiculous. Like this is, I mean, I don't know. So those are the only two where I feel confident. Yeah, I guess you're right. That makes Yeah, I was I was talking about this with someone else over the weekend and you know, they're like, "I oh god, like I guess Kevin Spacey's career is over, blah blah blah." And I was like, "You know, I was thinking about it and I was like, just the the Mel Gibson thing is the one thing that I keep that like he was a shithead, public shithead for a while, all this and then he just sort of disappeared. Everyone was like, he's an anti-Semite and racist and awful. He just like disappeared for a while and then emerged with, what was that dumb movie? Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah. Like he started to sort of like crawl back and now everyone's like, fine with crazy-eyed Mel Gibson. And also, I mean, didn't so many well-respected actors, men and women, signed that petition to like let Rowan Polanski. Oh, yeah. Come to the Oscar. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's just, I don't, so many people who you had more faith in sure. sign that. You yeah. Know. Amazon is so disingenuous. And then it's like, oh my God. I think we talked about this before. Oh, where, Mr. Allen. Yeah. Where it's like they like are like, no, we're not having uh, David O. Russell do it anymore because right. of his groping allegations. Right. But we like are still funding all these other abusers. Because people, I mean, it's like, I think it's like this whole thing about like people are trying to separate the art from the artist. Right. Where is the line? People... See, but I don't... I di- See, I think that that is maybe like what the average person is doing. Oh, okay. I think what it comes down to is separating the artist from the capital. Mm. Where it's, you know, at what point is this person going to start costing us money? Yes. And that's what's happening at Amazon and that's what's happening at Netflix mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. not, oh, this person is an abusive predator. Yeah. It's, oh, shit. Oh fuck! We're gonna lose money. We're gonna like look bad. Yeah, and we, you know, people don't like people don't care. It's, That's true. It's depressing. But. It is usually all about money. Every issue you boil down to that at the heart, the gross kernel is just money. Indeed. Mm-hmm. On that note. On that. <laughs> <laughs> That's been your dirtiest start. It's been really fun. Yeah. <laughs> So today our guest is Caroline Heldman. She is a political scientist. She is the Associate Professor of Politics at Occidental College, and she's a representative for the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media. Hi, Caroline. Good morning. 
Thank you so much for joining yes. us today Thank to you. talk about um, some very bleak <laughs> topics, but that we hopefully can be productive on. Yeah. It's great that we're actually talking about this now and that this topic is, you know, has some salience on the national scene. Right. I mean, I know it's probably true for you and for us as like women's, as two women who work in women's media, mm-hmm. it's like, feels like we've been screaming for years a about time. sexual harassment that's like institutional uh, right. and so it's very interesting to watch these other places kind of catch up yeah it's strange to see also the i think the levels of of sexual harassment in in media might be a lot higher than other industries we don't have good data on that but it does seem like it's more pervasive given the other uh, work environments that i you know with i've worked with victims in lots of different areas um and, and Hollywood and women's media seems to be in, or media in general seems mm-hmm. to be in a class all its own. Sure. Well, I imagine because it's such like an appearance-based medium, right. too, where it's like people feel probably more free. It's like very baked into what the industry is. Exactly. And I think that the fact that only 3% of real, the top clout positions are held by women also speaks to that. Yeah. I don't know of another industry that is so male-dominated. Maybe like coal mining or <laughs> coal something. Mining. Perhaps coal mining. Um, and when women go into coal mining, uh, you know, in greater numbers, I'm sure that the, the same phenomenon will occur. Sure. Rates of sexual harassment will shoot through the roof. So what is, what's the current process for reporting sexual harassment on a movie set or within a studio? Like, is there a human resources department? How does that work? So your employer is, regardless of whatever state they're in, they are um, required to have a clear complaint process and a mechanism for filing that does not require that you go through your regular supervisor. They're also required to have a policy against retaliation. So even if they're so small that they don't have a human resources department, they are mandated to have not only a a handbook but a clear process in that handbook and a mechanism that doesn't require you to actually go directly to your regular supervisor. Ideally, and and this is what the larger companies have, um, they have a dedicated human resources department, and you can go directly there instead of having to go through the people you might work with every day. And in terms of of your rights, once you report the improper conduct, your company should clearly explain the investigation process and then conduct an investigation and then have an outcome of that investigation that both parties have access to in terms of information. And we see that this again and again is actually not the case. This is not what happens in many instances of sexual harassment in Hollywood. I was going to say, it seems like that method has uh, failed consistently. Pretty quickly, yeah. Are there unofficial support systems in place? Are there communities within the entertainment industry that support victims of sexual harassment? Well, it's it's an odd industry in the sense that uh, oftentimes to do work in the industry, you need access to it. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of nonprofits doing work in the industry to make it better for women. So Women in Film, the Gina Davis Institute, you know, Women in Hollywood, Women's Media Center. The list is long of these excellent organizations that are mostly working internally to improve the numbers of women, both behind the scenes and on the screens. But There isn't an organization that uh, is working on sexual violence or sexual harassment in the industry. And in in working with uh, sexual harassment victims in different industries, there's a level of fear in this industry. And I think it's one that is actually substantiated that people are concerned about not only getting fired um, and not working in the industry again, but even organizations, I think, have to be concerned about being blocked out um, and having their other work be compromised if they really, you know, go after the industry full bore in terms of sexual violence or the other issues involved, um, you know, that are baked into the industry, as you put it. So this is a really long way of saying that there isn't a really good 
outside organization or mechanism that can really put pressure on the industry to shift its sexual violence. But there are options, you know, if, if you experience something in the industry and you don't get the, the remedy that you're looking for, you can contact, you, you have legal options, so you can contact your uh, bar association or the National Employment Lawyers Association, and they can put you in contact with legal resources. You can also file a complaint with your state uh, Fair Employment and Housing Division. And at the federal level, you can file a complaint with the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission. Um, but at the end of the day, um, the options are probably that you need to get out of the situation, uh, get some some serious self-care, probably therapy, certainly look into options for finding employment elsewhere, doing something similar. Uh, but at the end of the day, if if this is a, an epidemic in the industry, which I believe it is, given the hashtag MeToo campaign, um, I think that, that the op- options are actually pretty terrible for women who are being sexually harassed in the industry. I also want to add that there is the National Sexual Assault Hotline. So if you need to talk mm-hmm. to somebody mm-hmm. and you want to do it anonymously or in a way that feels safe to you, that number is 1-800-656-4673. There are people who care. There are options. There are options. But as women, we know that those options are pretty shitty, as you said. I, I couldn't agree more. Well, I think that's, too, why people ask, you know, why did these women take these settlements mm-hmm. uh, and sign these NDAs instead of pursuing legal action? Right. And it's because of exactly what you just said, where traditional uh, ways of addressing these issues are consistently terrible. They do not address the issue ultimately, and usually it ends up punishing the victim. So, right. of course, if you are facing someone who's a giant like Harvey Weinstein— and everyone is telling you, even your lawyer, that like, don't bother. Yeah, like it's this not going to work out for you. Your time, right? Like, Just take you know, the money. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like people are so um, cruel to women who do that. But it's also like, what else are they going to do at this point? Indeed, I mean that is your best option is basically to keep your reputation intact and maybe get a little money for the lost work. Um, it's there. There are no good situations for victims of sexual harassment. We know that if you come forward and you report it, that 75% of sexual harassment victims will face some form of retaliation um, across the board, whether in Hollywood or otherwise. So this whole idea of, gee, you should just report it. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we tend to, women tend to be pretty smart about how it's <laughs> right. going to affect our career. Yeah. And like, oh, we've only been doing this for all of human history. Yeah. Right. So we know. We know what's coming next. Um, And so when I work with survivors about whether or not they should go public or file, you know, privately, the question is always, you know, what is the personal toll of this? Because there is always a personal price to pay. The question is whether that personal price is enough for the cause, whether it's enough for whatever form of justice the victim or survivor is seeking. But there are no good options. If you are being sexually harassed, you're probably going to uh, lose your job. You're already looking at a hostile environment. You might be drummed out of the industry, and that's the best case scenario. Um, if you go public, you're going to face trolls and death threats and mm. all manner of things, and perhaps a lawsuit from from your predator. Right, which cool. then you have to face that person in court for X amount of time. It's just like an added bonus it to just that system. Never <laughs> ends. Um, so, what are some of the contributing factors to this cycle of sexual violence and silencing of victims in the entertainment industry? 
Well, I think every industry is bad, but the entertainment industry is particularly bad because it runs on informal networks. Mm. And so there there aren't mechanisms of accountability. You basically have these fiefdoms with these very powerful men at the top. And if they're the predators, then there's really, there's no system of accountability. But there are also a lot of um, kind of contributing factors, um, like the remote locations of many movie and and TV shoots um, where there's no HR department on site. Mm -hmm. There's also the informality of the settings that oftentimes a hotel room will double as a conference area or as an office. And so put all of that together um, and you just have a recipe for disaster for women. Well, I mean, and that's something that I think you have been very open about your own experiences with that. It seems like as someone who is a guest on a lot of cable talk shows, you also end up in situations where you are forced to be in offices with, say, disgusting Eric Bowling, or, you know, it seems like this is something that you have firsthand uh, experience with. So I did work at Fox, yes, from 2008 to 2011, um, and there were, you know, three men who, Bill O'Reilly and Eric Bowling, as well as a, a producer who um, I believe, you know, made it very clear that if I didn't sleep with him, I wasn't going to work there. So I was constantly choosing between, gee, do I want a, a hostile sexual environment and still can, you know, continue to work here and continue to work in the industry? Or, you know, do I have to sleep? Am I going to sleep with this person to stay in the industry? And then, of course, the answer for me was no, but uh, it should never be that, right? Right. That, yeah, that we shouldn't should be never should what be we question. Exactly. And it was years of that. And it's such a lose-lose, you know, where yeah. if you said, like, fine, I will sleep with this person, right. then it's like, oh, yeah, like you're a whore who sleeps your way to the top. You know? <laughs> There's no winning. Yeah. Right? yeah. And it's a complete double standard. And it was f- so fascinating when I, when I went public to support some other survivors about my experience at Fox, the amount of vitriol and the kind of uh, slut shaming and I'm a whore. And it's fascinating how we take victims of sexual harassment and, and they somehow they're the problem and it has to do with their sexuality. I mean, it's just an absurd world where, you know, rape myths and sexual harassment myths um, shape the minds of so many people and then enable them to, you know, really come after you with, as I mentioned, death threats and, Mm. um, you know, just tens of thousands of pieces of hate mail all meant to silence. And, you know, I I worked on Fox for years, so I got a lot of hate mail for other reasons. So my, <laughs> my skin was thick. But, wow, a lot of women coming forward now are, are experiencing some for the first time mm. the hatred and vitriol aimed at women who, who, you know, dare to speak up about sexual harassment. It's, I don't know, both to you and to these women, I just think it's so tremendously brave. Yeah. That, like you said, it's, you are, you are opening the door to so much more pain by coming forward, but it's kind of, I tip my... It's commendable. Invisible hat to yes. you, where I just think that it's... <laughs> I don't know if I would be tough enough. I don't know if I would be either. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I am, like, you kind of talked about how it's set up with, like, these men at the top. Do you find that on sets where women are running things, where there's women directors or female executives, uh, that there's an improvement, or is there pressure on women in the film industry because there's so few to kind of fit into the mold of the boys' club. There are definitely women who, when they're running their set, mimic what they grew up in the world, the professional world they grew up in. But then there are some really remarkable women and I, uh, who are, or people who are really pushing against this. So, for example, Jill Soloway's sets mm-hmm. are 
a whole different experience, right? So she's not saying action or cut. She actually says, go on then, and that'll do. Um, so she's bringing these uh, <laughs> feminist, cooperative, like utopian ideals. Oh, wow. To the set, she starts every morning um, on on the set with the doing box where people stand up and they talk about what they're going through in their personal lives. And as she's put it, it's it's this way of letting everyone know that humans are prior prioritized over money on her sets. So um, there are different ways of doing this, and it tends to be women and people at the forefront really pushing for this who don't um, conform to traditional gender roles and, um, you know, frankly, the patriarchy that um, drenches most movie sets. Mm. I'm imagining, like, Aileen Miles giving <laughs> readings in the corner. And <laughs> <laughs> that, sound, that sounds really lovely, I love actually. It. Breakout <laughs> circles. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds truly pleasant. So, so, so Jill Soloway is a great example. Um, are there any other examples of um, uh, how some directors or producers are making sets sort of a truly safe space? And is that even possible to have like a truly safe space for uh, working actors? It is possible, certainly, if that's the intention. And for, right. And Jill Soloway has made that the intention. It's not an industry norm. It, in fact, it would be really unusual, I think, if someone were to come into a set and say, this is how we're going to do it. And I would just add to that that there's very little knowledge, really, about what happens on sets. There there are some norms, but there's wild variation, right? Mm-hmm. And you're on in remote locations, and this is part of the problem that there isn't transparency and there there aren't norms in the form of, you know, preventing sexual violence or beyond that racial um, harassment or racial violence or, you know, all of the, the systems of power that tend to work their way into work environments um, when you don't have a planful, you know, uh, approach for mediating that. Um, there are almost no kind of safe space mm. film right. and television sets. Sure. We did a really interesting interview a while back with a journalist named April Wolf who had done this incredible story about rape choreography and just sort of how different it is when women are running things as opposed to when men are doing it because it was just it was really depressing to hear how many male directors don't trust their female actresses to actually act where it's like no we need genuine surprise from her <laughs> whereas it seems like women directors for the most part are just like every single thing you are going to be aware of ahead of time and right. you know like we are going to do this in two takes tops and then we're done it's like if sexual assault has to be depicted on the big screen it seems like that's that seems like a good place to start with making a set feel better is just yeah. like protecting your actors and making sure that they're not – and not just your actors. As like Everybody. the Dustin Hoffman thing proves, like your young PAs and your <laughs> – you know, there's a lot of women on sets who are left vulnerable because they are not in positions of power. And it just depresses the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah. And it does matter to have a woman at the top. We we know in terms of content. So you brought up the the content of how rape scenes are, are uh, produced – um, but we also know that that when women are in charge, that we have more women and people of color as characters and, you know, on the big and little screens and also behind the scenes. Um, so we know the content is very different, so there's less um, hypersexualization. Mm-hmm. Women are less likely to be portrayed as sex objects. We get fewer what I like to call sexy corpses, right, these dead women who are have been probably, you know, raped or pillaged in some way and, and are, um, you know, arrayed in a way that's supposed to be sexy. So we get right. less sexual violence. Uh, yeah, so it matters to have, you know, women making these creative decisions. It is just insane how pornographic violence against women can be where yeah. yeah it's like they're 
their blue lips parted just so. And they're just splayed out, shirts off, awful. Just really, really great stuff. I was on a plane watching a movie just coming back from, from New York recently, and the opening scene was a woman who was in a car accident, and she is, you know, her, her breasts are out, and she's dead. And I had a little what? child sitting next to me. Oh, and God. And I was thinking, how is this the world we live in where I'm, I'm putting a film on, right, on an airplane, and here's the first scene, blatant sexualized violence, and I've got a little kid next to me. But also then, like, imagine if it was just, like, if you were just, like, breastfeeding on that plane, there's probably someone who would find something to complain about, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's such a weird—Jill right. Soloway also does, I feel like, nudity really well. And that does. it comes—it's, like, always very natural and, like— Tasteful? No. It, yeah. it doesn't feel exploitative, and it doesn't feel—it, like, works with the plot, It, it and it's not— Glorified, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word. Her nudity and sex scenes, yeah, and I love Dick, I think are are fantastic. And she has a lot of nudity and right. a lot of sex. Yeah. And none of it is gratuitous and well, none of it is objectifying. Right. I think that's the thing that people people try to be like, oh, you just want to cut out this part of film. And it's like, no, like a real there's a way there's, to do yeah, it. there's a way to do like realistic depictions. Like yeah. sex is a part of human life. Right. Nudity is a part of human life. Right. But yeah, there was, like, a, a scene in a couple seasons ago on Transparent where Gabby Hoffman is, like, wearing a really baggy tank top around her house. Oh, yeah. And her, like, boob just kind of falls out yeah. of it. And I was like, yeah. That's normal. <laughs> I was like, this Happens is just, like, very chill. Um, We've all been there. We ha- there. Yeah, there was nothing gross or weird about, like, it wasn't, it was yeah. just, like, natural. But you could tell that there was a woman mm-hmm. behind the camera. Right. Because it was just. Like, there was no focus on the, like, it yeah. was, Yeah. Um, while we're kind of on a more uplifting note, yeah. um, I am wondering if just, you know, personally, since you're someone who is kind of embedded deep in all of this and on behalf of the Gina Davis Institute, what do you think is the best path forward in light of the Weinstein fallout? I think the biggest change, which is maybe medium term, is to get more women into positions of power. Mm-hmm. Um, that would shift the industry overnight. Um, but immediately, Coming forward and naming names, and I know that's difficult to, for all the reasons that we've talked about, but essentially the more names we have, uh, the more we can root out the problem because the reason that we're talking about this now and the reason that Harvey Weinstein has been so successful is the snowball effect. And mm-hmm. now the industry is on notice, and the best way to keep them on notice, because there are hundreds if not thousands of sexual predators in the industry, is to root those people out. Uh, and let the industry know that, yeah, this is no longer acceptable in a v- very firm way beyond just Harvey Weinstein. Um, I get concerned that there might be some defensive othering, right, that, oh, he's such, you know, he's 88 women have come forward. Like, he's he's the bad guy. Um, but there are lots of, you know, essentially, for lack of a better term, bad guys in the industry who are engaging in similar behavior. Um, you know, Bill Cosby is a, a, another example mm-hmm. of, you know, women who came forward for 10 years, 62 survivors over a decade, and we we still really didn't believe them. Um, and he still hasn't really been brought to justice until recently. So we definitely need more people coming forward, but we all need, also need to uh, mandate gender-inclusive boards. Um, we need to mandate gender-inclusive hiring practices in the industry. Uh, We need legal penalties and actual consequences for men who engage in this behavior and perhaps a new governing body to hold perpetrators accountable given that this industry is run on informal networks and there's really no mechanism of accountability at the top. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I think we were sort of discussing before where there's sort of 
for maybe the people who have not been accused of outright rape, it seems like there's going to be some rehabilitation yeah, process where they're going to be able there. to, you know, come back in and be welcomed, you know, with standing ovations at the Oscars, where <laughs> it sort of seems like people need to take a firm line. Right. And I'm not saying destroy these people's lives, even though they've destroyed several people's lives. Sure. Um, but it does sort of seem like there needs to be a... A higher standard. There need for to be standards. Period. I think rehabilitation yeah. is right, and of course, rapist rehab is not a real thing. I mean, it's an interesting right. PR ploy, but right, um, there, like sex rehab. There, there is actually no, yeah, there's no rehabilitation for this um, unless the person wants to change their behavior, and that would require an apology. And so right. far, you know, short short on apologies yeah. in Hollywood from the men who've been accused of sexually predatory behavior. A lot of I don't recall this. Event. A lot of yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> Which, I don't know, to me seems to apply that there's many. Mm. Right. When you're talking about, you know, probably hundreds, I don't I sure. think we've just, you know, tip of the iceberg, it might be hard for him to remember Definitely. the specifics right. of all of the women he has violated. Yeah. Every now and then we have a fun episode, but yeah. mostly it's just about, like, <laughs> why are men bad? Yeah, why are men bad <laughs> this time? How are they bad now? Just walk us through it. Oh, God. Well, it's really interesting to see, too, all of the... Uh, the men come forward now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Brad Pitt had talked about pedophilia rings in Hollywood, um, oh, and certainly the film *An Open Secret*, uh, which Amy Berg made in 2011, that couldn't get distribution, is now getting viewed by millions of people. And it goes into Brian Singer and, oh, and other yeah. men in Hollywood right. who prey upon boys. So it's yeah. uh, as much as this is an issue that mostly affects women, it, it also affects boys and some men in the industry. Absolutely. Right. I mean, and again, the Kevin Spacey fallout has proven that as well where mm-hmm. I don't know Open Secret you can watch it on Vimeo I believe right that's sort of where it's available yes available for free nice. on Vimeo that's great I mean that it's I, I love when it's just like people don't find distribution they're just, just like, like fuck, fuck it, it. You know? I'll just throw it up here just <laughs> watch it <laughs> yeah well Caroline thank you so much for giving us your time you are a great resource and we are truly grateful this has been wonderful yeah, thank you for highlighting this issue. I mean, you're Jezebel's best. <laughs> <laughs> Said oh. with a sigh. <laughs> thank you. We thank genuinely you so mean. much. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast, and thank you to Caroline Heldman. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp. Moderna Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode is mixed by Jamie Colazzo. If you want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think, hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. But only if it's nice. <laughs> but don't say mean shit. Mean shit.